All right, we're just gonna read it out loud. One, two, three. I am who he says I am. I have everything he says I have. He has made a way for me to live in peace and right standing with God. Some of you are not reading out loud. There will be a quiz afterwards. Okay, here we go. I am not stuck. Wait, hold on. That's the dramatic pause that you don't want to miss. I am not stuck. I am not helpless or powerless. I am a child of God. Last one. So today, no matter what I face, I choose to believe I am an overcomer. I choose to believe that today. Yes, you may be seated. I know it feels a little bit like Tony Robbins, but I'm telling you, a, a good confession of faith is a powerful thing. And listen, you're, doing, you're confessing something throughout your day. And even if it's just under your breath, off-the-cuff comments you're making, there's a confession of your faith. And I promise you, it's shaping who you are, what you believe, your, your internal uh, thoughts and, and, and drive. And so it's so powerful to just sort of get it in us like every day. No, today, today I choose to be an overcomer who God's called me to be. Good? Yes. Title today is Something's Happening Upstream. Something is happening upstream. Um, I want to dive in really quickly to the story that we're going to talk about in, in Exodus. And just to give you a little bit of a back story. Uh, some of this, this is a basic review, but it's really important because we're going to talk about a shift, a pivotal moment that I believe God has us in and he was leading the people in. And so you have to remember when um, you guys remember Joseph. Joseph was a you know, coat of many colors. He got sold into slavery, right? He went through horrible things. And ultimately his brothers came back and, and had a reunion. And then they all moved into Egypt because there was a famine in the land. Well, that was the beginning of the children of Israel making their place making their lives happen in Egypt. Well, the Pharaoh died that was buddy-buddy with Joseph. Joseph died, and all of a sudden, life went really bad for the children of Israel. And so this was sort of the reality. You all seen the, the, the prince of Egypt and the slaves, the slavery that took place for 400 years in Egypt. And so this was the reality of God's people, Israel. I mean, we make a big deal about Israel now. Well, this is God's people for 400 years were in slavery in Egypt. Egypt. And that's important because you have to understand that there was a lot of generations of people that were born and raised in Egypt, and they, they, they didn't see themselves as God's people. They were slaves, and that's all they knew generation after generation. I mean, think about it. Like the stories that you hear of your grandpa or your great-grandpa, if you're privileged enough to know them and hear stories of what life was like just like 100 years ago. Well, this is 400 years of that's all they knew. So Moses comes on the scene. He comes in and he, directed by the Lord, says, no, today's the day. You're going to be delivered. And he is a shadow of Jesus as our Savior. He comes in when we were in slavery. How many know somebody? We were in slavery at some point in our lives. We didn't know Jesus. We were in sin. And Jesus came and said, I'm going to deliver you out of there. And so if Moses comes and says, I'm going to deliver you out of what you know. And plagues, 12 plagues, got them out of there. They come to the Red Sea and the Red Sea parts. And then they spend the next 40 years 
wandering the desert. Now, that wasn't ultimately God's plan, but they just couldn't get it. It took a day to get out of Egypt, but 40 years to get Egypt out of them. Because it's here, right? And so this is, this is what we're tackling today, is there's mindsets that we have that keep us from really being overcomers. And you're overcoming in some areas, but then there are other areas you just kind of have that old mindset. Why? Because it's 400 years of this is how we think. This is how my family thinks. This is how things are done around here. And it keeps a lid on our lives. And so God says, I'm calling you to overcome, but you have to understand that I'm, I'm, I'm taking you somewhere. And so anyways, the text that we're gonna, we're gonna tackle is, is the passage where Moses dies, passes it on to Joshua, and now it's his role to take them from the desert. They were free in the desert, but they weren't thriving. They weren't possessing the land. They were just literally wandering around. Now, God was good and he was faithful, but how many of you know that, that, wasn't, that wasn't what God had for them? He had the promised land. And you guys know the story about the promised land. And if you've ever been to Israel or seen pictures, truly a, man, a land flowing with milk and honey. It is absolutely incredible, but it was difficult for them to get to a place where they believed that they could have that that they were good enough, they were strong enough, they were worthy enough to possess the land. And I wonder if with us, in what areas of our lives have we, in the back of our mind, went, I don't know if I could really possess that. I hear all the promises of God and all the prosperity and the good things that God has for me, but I don't know if I'm worthy enough I don't know if I'm strong enough. I don't know if I'm good enough. And so here Joshua is leading these people that are having all kinds of doubts. And it may look like the same story, um, but, it's, but it's different. It's incredibly different. Um, so as we go into this story, we're going to read a passage in a minute, but Essentially, the story is Joshua takes the children of Israel to the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River is significant because that's, we know, ultimately where John the Baptist would baptize Jesus. Same spot. It's the place where Elijah and Elisha, right, had that moment where uh, Elijah passed on the baton to Elisha and then went up in like the chariot of fire. It's like the same spot. And it's right before you go into the promised land. And so Joshua's there and he's instructing the people. All right, today's the day. God's going to deliver us from the desert. And if you're, if you're in Israel and you're looking at the, the Jordan River, that side is all desert. It's the Jordan, the, the nation of Jordan. It's desert. And then on this side, it's the promised land. And it is incredible. And so Joshua's saying, I'm here to deliver you into that. And it would be easy for the children of Israel, like, okay, I know how this goes because I heard all the stories of the Red Sea. And the Red Sea parted and we walk over. But this is, a, this is a different moment. And so in, in order for us to understand a little bit, let me ask you, who are you in this story? And when we read through the story, I want you to identify who am I in this story? Do you ever do that? Do you ever pick like, and so some of us would say, well, I'm Joshua. Well, I don't know that you really relate with Joshua. He was leading a million people. He got the baton handed to him for Moses. There's not a lot of us that can really relate with Joshua. Then there was the spectators, the million people that were just wandering around following Joshua. And then there was the priests carrying the ark. 
This was a different moment because when Moses came to the Red Sea, there was no priests carrying the ark. The ark didn't exist. The ark was created wandering the desert when God said, I don't want to just deliver you. I want to be with you. And I want you to carry my presence with you. So 1 Peter chapter 9, I want you to read this passage. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special possession. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. And so a simple idea before we get started here is that you are priests of God, carriers of, the pre- of his presence. So when we read this story, I want you to know that in this story, you are the priests carrying the presence of God. Did you know that you're carrying the presence of God? That's why, that's why God got so frustrated when, when David, they were carrying the ark and David's like, I'm just going to put the ark on a cart and, and an oxen will pull it around because things heavy and it's a pain. And like, why do we have to do all that? So we're just going to put it on an ark and then it'll be great on a cart. And the, and, the, and the oxen stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand to grab it and he died because he's not supposed to touch the ark. But God was frustrated because the presence of God was always meant to be carried by people. It's not a building, not a pastor. It's not a system. It's not a religion that carries the presence of the Lord. It's you and it's me. And so this was one of the game changers that that was shifting that needs to shift for you and for me is we carry the presence of God. And so as we look into this story, the first thing I want to read is Joshua chapter three, verse eight. It says, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, who are the priests? That's you and me. Are we getting it? Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. The first idea is this, to be an overcomer today. We gotta learn to stand in the water. We gotta learn to stand in the water. I would imagine that the priests were like, yeah, like I said, I know how this story goes, so you mean stand on the dry riverbed. Because they're waiting for, you know, like, Joshua, like Moses did, to break out the staff because this is what took place. Moses came down to the Red Sea. He put his staff in the water, the waters part, and then the children of Israel walk across on dry land. So here they are at the river and God says, no, I actually want you carriers of the presence of God. I want you to go out and I want you to put your feet in the Jordan River while it's still flowing. This is a new thing. There's a shift taking place. And, and, and that's what I want to say to you and for me is, and I loved what Noemi said, 2024, what God has for us, where we're going into, it's not the same as last year. It's not the same. You have a living God inside of you. He's moving you. He is empowering you. He's speaking to you. He's moving through you. And so he has some new things for you. It's not, it's not the same. And what I wrote here is Moses, through Moses, God was teaching them to be free. Now God was teaching them how to be sons and daughters. 
You're going to see how the story unfolds, and it's very different. But before, you have to understand that Moses, when he was part of the Red Sea and he was walking into the desert, they were just trying to learn how to live not in prison, not in bondage. Just, just trying to get their head barely above water. And that's what that whole journey with Moses was about, is I'm just trying not to be a slave. And you remember the story, they wanted the desert, and most of the time they were like, can we just go back? Because it's just easier back there. And so they were just trying to learn how to not be slaves. But in this moment, in this day, God is teaching them how to be sons and daughters. And that's sort of the essence of this series. God has way more for you than to help you survive. To help you get through another day and just help you make it through your job. And God has so much more for you, but it has, it's a shift to, I'm not just trying to survive. I'm actually learning how to be a son and a daughter. And that's a very different existence. You're carriers of the presence of God. How to possess the land and step into their inheritance. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. This is out of the Passion Translation. And I love this. I want you to listen. Since we are God's children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. I absolutely love the phrasing of that. Joint heirs with Christ. All that he is and all that he has is yours and mine. So what steps do I need to take? What does it look like to step into the water? What does it look like to step into the water? What, what steps do I need to take this year to be an overcomer? I wrote this. Sons take steps of identity. Slaves or servants take steps of behavior or performance. Sons take steps of identity. So what steps am I going to take? Well, a slave or a servant would say the steps you need to take is you need to be better. You need to work harder. You need to do good and get your act together because you're really failing as a good Christian. So get your act together. This year, 2024, how are you going to possess the land and walk in all the things that God has for, for you? Well, you just need to try harder and behave more. Anybody ever tried that? How's your resolution going? Holding strong for another week? Listen, I'm all for self-improvement. I'm not, I'm not mad at that. I'm going to the gym and I'm trying to do some positive things. But here's what I can tell you. That is really effective at, at, at shining the outside of the cup. And I want the outside of my cup to look better. I don't want to be all like the, your frumpy pastor that's, you know, gaining weight and no energy. And like, I want, I want to keep my, my body healthy. But you know what it doesn't do? Transform me on the inside. What, what does transformation on the inside look like? Well, it looks like steps of identity. I'm going to step into who I really am. Because I just read you a scripture that says, all that he has and all that he is, is your inheritance. Oh, come on. You know what would be strange? Because I hear all the time, like, okay, tell me what to do, Pastor. Tell me what to do to be better. Tell me what to do to, to, to get to move forward in my Christian walk. Just give me a list. And you know what would be strange? Is if you're like 
19-year-old son who's still living at the house came up to you and said, Mom, Dad, I just need you to tell me how to live here. Because I don't know. Do I, do I go into the fridge? And if I get into the fridge, what do I do? What do I take? How do I make a sandwich? How do I open the door? I don't know. Where's my room again? And then when I don't have anything to do, what do I do? And you just be like, what? Who are you? You're, but, you, but you know what else would be strange? Is if the servant, if the, let's, you know, the pool guy or, the, or the, the landscaper just came to your house and walked in and started making himself at home like your son and daughter. You'd be like, did we switch, switch roles? Did I, did I miss an email? I don't know. It's a little strange. Like the pool guy is hanging out on the couch watching a little TV, right? Do you see the difference? Sometimes in the house of God, we act like servants. We act like the pool guy. We act like the lawn man. It's like, okay, well, there's a role for that at the house. But when it comes to your walk with Jesus, you're a son and daughter. And so when it comes to taking steps of faith, here's what I wrote down. Do the thing that you would do. We all have different versions of us. There's that you that's like the, bat, the worst version of you. You know, it's like, ah, it doesn't make a decision. It's not good in the mind, and, right? And there's that you. And then there's the other you, right? That you're just like, when that you just wakes up in the morning and good to go, you're like, yes, I love my, this you today. You know what I'm talking about? And sometimes you're just kind of in a funk. Like I've been in a funk the last couple of days and my wife's been like, psh, psh, come on, babe. We need that you to come back. So what does it look like for you to take steps of faith this year? Well, ask yourself, what would that version of me do? The son and daughter, the one who knows that all that he has and all that he is, is mine. The one that knows that God is kind and for me. The one that knows that I'm powerful. I'm not the victim. And so every day God's going to open up opportunities for me to walk in his goodness and his pleasure. What, what kind of steps would you take if that you was in charge? That's what it looks like to take steps of identity. I don't want you to behave more. I want you to be a son and daughter. Is that good news? Joshua chapter three, we're gonna continue the story. As soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away in a town called Adam Ochoa. How did you get in there? You know, it's funny. I'd never noticed this. I always, I always thought that this, this happened a certain way. And maybe that's because I've watched, you know, too many movies or whatever on it. And, and, and I just thought it happened a certain way. But, but in order to get to that, let me ask you this. When you're talking to somebody who doesn't live in San Diego and, and you're telling them where you live, like if, you know, like for instance, I have a son-in-law that lives in Atlanta and we talk and you know, uh, when, we're, when I'm describing where I live and where you live, do you say, I live in San Diego? 
Or do you say, I live in Escondido? I say San Diego. Because you know what my son-in-law in Atlanta doesn't know? Escondido. He's like, Escon what? You mean the Dito. Okay. <laughs> I love Escondido. I absolutely love Escondido. I like Escondido better than San Diego because it's just beautiful. It's just, anybody love Escondido? Okay. Um, I, lo- I love it. I really do. I, if there was anywhere in San Diego that, that I could live, I would choose Escondido. Um, but, but when I'm describing to people where I live, it's San Diego because San Diego is the destination location. Everyone wants to go. Every, I mean, I don't know if you've talked to people that don't live here and you tell them you live in San Diego and they're like, seriously? Like I have, like my, my honeymoon's in San Diego, you know? Like, well, I live there, you know? I love telling people I live in San Diego. But San Diego is about 25 miles away. Um, 20 miles away is the 52 freeway. And I like the 52 because I'm in love with La Jolla. I just love La Jolla. My mom and I, that's our spot. We, we go there on occasion. And you go down the 15 to the 52, and then you take the 52 till you're on the sand. Are you there? I'm there. Okay, so good. Um, why do I say the 52? Well, the 52 is about 20 miles away from here, which is a long way. It takes a while to get to the 52. Why am I telling you about the 52? Well, the town of Adam is about 20 miles away from where Joshua and the priests had walked in to the water to get their feet wet. And they were standing in this river. And the Bible says that the riverbanks were overflowing. So it was rocking. This river was rocking. And I don't know if you've ever tried to move something large with like five other people, like a piano or a big couch. It's a bummer. And this ark was carried by like six dudes. And you got to coordinate getting into this river. And you're like, no, you go first. No, you go first. I don't, I don't know. You, I'm going to have to swing. And then eventually somebody's getting deep and you got to swing it around and you got to like shuffle. No, we're shuffling this way. No, we're going to shuffle this way. And these guys are figuring it out and the river's rocking. And I always envision that as soon as their foot hit the water, both sides, right? Charleston Heston with the Red Sea kind of thing. It's just like, ah, right? And the, and the river goes like that. It's not what happened. As soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream, everyone say something's happening upstream. Happening. Stopped flowing. As soon as they, the feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. How far is Adam? 20 miles. It's a big river. So let me tell you what actually happened. They're at the water's edge. They're envisioning what you and I are envisioning because they literally, some of them were there at the Red Sea and the rest heard the stories of the water parting. They're coming to the water and we're like, perfect, this is God doing it again. And here they come and he's like, no, actually I need you to get in the water. They're getting in the water expecting to happen what happened before and nothing happens. Why? Because it happened 20 miles away at the 52 freeway on the way to La Jolla. And you know what happens here when something happens on the 52 freeway? Like a car accident? Big car accident on the 52. You know what happens here? 
nothing for a few hours. Theologians estimate that it took three hours for the water to actually stop flowing. Because when their water, because when the, uh, their, their feet took, touched the water, it standed up in a heap immediately, just like that. Water's edge, heap. But it wasn't right next to them. It was 30 miles downstream, 20 miles downstream. So all of the water from the 52 freeway until here has got to get past you before it's dry. Why? Why did God do it so differently? He could have done anything. Why? Well, because I told you. He's trying to help you step into something that the children of Israel 40 years ago weren't ready to step into. They needed everything to happen right in front of them because they're just one step away from being slaves again. But now God's saying, I want you to learn to walk by faith. I want you to learn how to be sons and daughters. I want you to learn how to overcome. We're not just surviving, we're overcoming. And so in order to do that, I need you to understand some things. Everything's not gonna happen right away for you. When I say, I'm gonna be with you and I'm gonna take care of you and I've gone before you and then you take a step of faith and you put your foot in the water, it's not necessarily gonna happen right away. You may have to wait for three hours and kind of go, I don't know, Joshua, love ya. You've been right up to this point, but is, I mean, is there at least a possibility that you missed it? Because at, at hour two, when the water's still flowing, I don't know. I wrote this. God has done something 20 miles away. God responded to the faith of his people and he spoke a word and the water stood still. But there's a gap. There's a 20 mile gap between what God said and what I experience. 20 mile gap. And what you fill with that gap makes you either an overcomer or somebody who's drowning. So what do you put? in the 20 miles? What do you put in the three hours? Faith or fear? Control or surrender? Some of us during those three hours, we just start kicking doors down. Some of us are building boats. We're like, fine, that's fine. Like, God, you're not gonna, it's just a river. I can get it past it. Come on, hey, let's rally the troops. Let's start building boats. You've never done that. You've never kicked a door open that God wasn't opening. You're always so patient. You wait all three hours. God, I'm trusting in your word. Anybody trusting in the word of the Lord and you just haven't seen it yet? I mean, am I the only one? Am I the only one that's, that's, that, that is still standing in the river saying, God, I, I believe that you're doing something and I see it yet, but I believe it. I believe that you spoke a word. I believe that 20 miles away, the water is standing still and I will see the goodness of God. And it may not be exactly what I think, but it's gonna be amazing. 
but he's teaching me how to be a son and a daughter. So we need to learn how to live upstream. We need to learn how to live upstream. Because in the meantime, everything that's flowing in those hours, and listen, for those three hours, that's the day-to-day. It's so easy to focus on the day-to-day. I mean, I was doing it all day yesterday. I was living downstream. Your pastor was living downstream yesterday. I couldn't get out of my head. How do I know when I'm living downstream? Uh, I get discouraged. Lack of joy. I'm not as patient. I just feel empty. I can rationalize in my mind why somehow I'm a victim in whatever scenario. Then I start getting frustrated at this person did that and this person and this is why I feel this way. That's living downstream. And it's so easy. It's what we do on our default. We live downstream. In the waiting, we fill the gap with downstream thoughts. And I just, man, I tell you what, God is calling us to learn how to live upstream. Why? Because God spoke something upstream. And not only that, something happened upstream. Because we are seated with God in heavenly places. That's upstream. It's upstream. And listen, I don't always know, and you don't always know what God does upstream. It's not a magic wand. He's God. He's sovereign. We just get to bank on the fact that something happened, and that something was done by a good, kind God in a place called Adamochoa. <laughs> I can't help when I see that. That's what I think of every time. So how are you doing at living upstream? It's not hocus pocus. It's not ignoring the reality. You're soaking wet in the river and the river hasn't stopped flowing yet and it's frustrating. And yet there's an opportunity. Today, I'm living upstream. And you know what that looks like for me? when I start to feel these kind of feelings and emotions that I described to you, I tell myself, I got to spend more time with Jesus. That's what it looks like for me to live upstream. I mean, obviously I need to renew my mind and I need to be positive and all those kinds of things. But the epitome of taking a seat next to the one upstream is go find your secret place. I got to go spend more time with Jesus. How are, how are you doing? Spending time with Jesus. I'll tell you what, listen, I know it's difficult for you because it's difficult for me and I'm the pastor. 
it's easy to get up and I get my phone out and I read the verse of the day and I, you guys do this and you watch like the three minute video, you know, that's sometimes encouraging and sometimes like, okay, how do I stop that? Okay, uh, but anyways, you know, and then maybe you read the verse and you're like, and can, can, can you tell me, can I tell you what I did? I read some really good things and I didn't spend any time with Jesus. You know what spending time with Jesus means? I'm going to pretend like this is my, my phone. Uh, this is not my phone. I don't have a pink case, so don't get all crazy on me. You open up the verse, whatever you're reading, God speak to me. And then you don't transition from that to Facebook or Instagram or email. You transition from that and you go, good morning, Lord. today. I'm choosing to take a seat upstream because I know that what I'm going to face and what I'm going to feel and what I'm going to see and think all day long today will be the remnants of downstream. So I need you to speak to me upstream. so that what I see and feel makes sense. The realities of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, that's not a pastor's prayer. That's a son and daughter prayer. And you need it, and I need it. And sometimes it can be longer and you have worship music and it's this epic moment and sometimes it's as simple as what I just did but I'm telling you it's a game changer because it will dictate what you fill the gap with all day long. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to invite uh, Nathan to come up. Lastly, Joshua we continue the story. Joshua chapter four and verse 10 says, now the priests who carry the ark remain standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done. I wrote uh, this last idea is this, take a stand on the riverbed. Take a stand on the riverbed. What's crazy about this story, again, a lot of, about a lot of this story I hadn't seen before. So, they go into the ark, they take the ark into the water, the river's rushing, and however long later, the water dries up. They don't even see the heap, by the way. I mean, it's like, again, we're talking about the 52 freeway. You don't see the heap. The human eye can only see three miles away. It was 20. So they're standing, but they're standing on dry ground at this point now. They're like, wow, God's, God's good. And for the next, like, chapter and a half, these guys are standing in the riverbed. And first of all, like a million people have to cross the river. How long did that take? Oh my gosh, right? I mean, it's like, talk about herding cats. You know, like how many people kind of wandered off and forgot that we were crossing the Jordan. Like, hey guys, go get, you know, Billy Joe. He lost his way again. You know, I mean, just, it would take a long time. So then, 
Joshua has this idea from God, like, hey, we need to go gather some rocks. And so he picks some guys and they gather rocks. And then Joshua's like, now I want to go gather rocks. Read it. It's the whole chapter. Now Joshua's wandering around gathering rocks to build some altars. And now they're building altars. And it's this whole thing. And in the meantime, the priests are standing there in the riverbank holding the ark. Well, it's all happening. And it just dawned on me as we, as we land this plane, as we're learning how to be people who, who know how to overcome our circumstances by living upstream, that sometimes you just got to learn how to stand. You just got to know how to stand. Because see, I might have the courage to take a step. I might have the courage to get into a life group. I might get all motivated because it is January 2024. And I might have the courage to jump in the water one time and God's going to do something. But I'll tell you what, if I haven't heard from heaven and learned how to be strong and courageous and stand my ground, I'm not staying there. And it happens to so many of us where the enemy robs the good seed because the seed gets planted and it springs up and it's awesome and something cool happens, but you haven't learned how to be strong on the inside and stand your ground no matter what people say or what happens. And inevitably, the seed doesn't fall on good soil. And so you bail from the life group and you bail from your time with Jesus and you bail from that amazing thing that you had going that you felt like was the Lord a month ago, but some time has passed and now you're just kind of like wishy-washy again and here we are doing a redo of 2023. Come on, let's not do that. Let's learn to stand. Let's learn to stand our ground. And I felt like the Lord said, God, the enemy has worked overtime to convince you you're not strong enough to stand. You've, you've tried it so many times. You've jumped into the river and you've made a good step and a good effort like so many times. Really, today's gonna be any different. You're not powerful and you're not strong. So who are you kidding? You just are who you are. And I'm here to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. There is nothing that stops you from being all that God has created you to be this year, learning to take a stand. Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Whose power? Oh, come on, it's his power. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you will be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand there for having done all to stand, we're standing. We're standing on the promises of God. We're standing on the fact that everything that he is and everything that he has is mine. I'm learning to stand in that. I think this is one of God's favorite things because you're not standing alone. Those six guys were standing carrying the presence of God. You're not alone in this standing. He's with you. He's all over you. And other people may not understand it. They're walking by you going, what are you doing? But you're standing with an anchor 
Listen, those guys with these poles, that thing was heavy. It was, it was weighing them down, but like in the best possible way. The presence of God, it stands as an anchor for you, keeping you solid and firm. This is the call of an overcomer. Will you bow your heads with me? Upstream. Come on, we're learning to live upstream. Jesus, we receive today all that you have for us upstream. God, I thank you that you have gone before us and paved the way. And so today, as your sons and daughters, we come to your table and we say, yes, we receive. We receive the nourishment because you're all that we need. We receive your thoughts that are good, thoughts to give us a hope and a future. We receive your power today to break the strongholds and the bonds that hold us back. We're stepping into a new day. And we give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you'd like us to partner with you in prayer, such a beautiful day being able to share in communion and all that Jesus has done. Uh, we would love to partner with you. Uh, for the rest of us, God bless you. May he make you strong and courageous in all that you do this week. Have an awesome rest of the Sunday. Go Chiefs. In Jesus' name. And the 49ers. Amen. God bless you.